Welcome to The Neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers Tribute Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Lee James of rickleejames.com, and I run the Mr. Rogers Quotes Twitter account and now Instagram account found at Mr. Rogers Say. As we again walk into this podcast neighborhood, I want you to know that no matter where you are from, you are welcome here. I'm glad to be your neighbor. Every daughter, every son, every tribe, and every tongue, in the spirit of Fred Rogers and the life of welcome that he lived, welcome to the neighborhood. Matthew Cordell is the Caldecott Medal winning author and illustrator of Wolf in the Snow and the illustrator of numerous highly acclaimed children's books, including The Only Fish in the Sea and Special Delivery, which was a Washington Post best book of 2015. He wrote and illustrated Another Brother, Wish, and Hello, Hello, a New York Times notable children's book. His new book, Hello Neighbor, The Kind and Caring World of Mr. Rogers, is the official authorized picture book of Fred Rogers. Matthew lives near Chicago with his wife, author Julie Halpern, and their two children. He stopped by for a visit on our podcast neighborhood today, and I'm so thrilled about that. Matthew Cordell, welcome to the neighborhood. Thanks for having me, Rick. Great to be here. Well, I am so glad that we had a chance to do a little visit on this Saturday morning. It's a, it's at least here in Ohio a beautiful day, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's many things you could be doing with your time, so I am just grateful that you chose today to be a day to spend with me for a little bit. I want to say congratulations on this wonderful new book. I just got my copy in the mail a couple of days ago and was able to read through it, and it, it's just a beautifully done book. So I, uh, I just you. want to congratulate congratulate you on that. Thanks As, so much. Sure. As we begin, I'd love for you to tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself. So I, um, as you mentioned already, I'm an author and illustrator of, of uh, many books for children. Uh, I started out as an as an artist, a uh, visual artist, and I've always drawn, loved to draw and paint uh, ever since I was a little boy, and, um, and I uh, ended up getting into children's books because of my wife, who my girlfriend at the time, who I met, um, is a children's uh, librarian. Huh. Uh, at the time, she was in elementary school, but she's worked in middle schools and uh, both middle and, and elementary. But uh, she re- sort of reintroduced me to children's books uh, in my 20s when we met, and uh, I just loved, I loved everything about them, and hmm. ended up, you know, she and I submitted a book together that she had written and I did some sample illustrations for and it ended up getting published and I just loved everything about it the, the audience of children the uh the wonderful world of publishing for children mm-hmm. and um you know drawing painting and uh, and ultimately ended up becoming an author as well so uh and my first book was published in 2004, so it's been a nice ride so far. Mm. And uh, but I grew up in um, in South Carolina, a town called Greenville, and now I, now we live in the suburbs of Chicago, and we have two children, a uh, 12-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. And uh, yeah, it's great. Life is great, and uh, it's been really exciting to uh, talk about and 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 share Hello Neighbor since it came out as well. So 
Sure. Well, it's interesting you say Greenville. I actually, um, I've, I'm, I'm a musician, and I played uh, at least one or two concerts in Greenville over the years, so I'm a little bit oh, wow. familiar with the area. That's great. Yeah, nice. So, and how long ago did you say you moved from Greenville to where you are? So I moved uh, into into Chicago uh, in 1999. Okay. So it's been... It's been a large chunk of my life. Yeah, it's, it's been. It's about, it's at this point, it's been about half and half. Half sure. my life in in the South and half here in the Midwest. Two two really different perspectives on life for sure, but both Absolutely. both wonderful places to live for sure. Yeah. So, well, that's terrific, and I appreciate you sharing a little bit about yourself and sharing your story with us. What I would really love to know this morning, and I'm sure our listeners would like to know too. Everybody who comes on this show, they seem to have their own mystery. Rogers story about mm-hmm. a special way that Fred Rogers in some way impacted their life and I have found that sometimes it happened when they were very young sometimes it happened when they were adults and I would just love to know uh, what is your Mr. Rogers story well I you know I, I was born in 1975 so that was really really prime time for Mr. Rogers neighborhood you know sort of right at the at the center of of its height i would say you know because you know it started in 1968 and it was really going strong and in my youth so i was raised on uh a lot of those really rock solid uh pbs uh children's television programs you know sesame street mr rogers at the time there was a electric company you know that there were really only a few at the time now there's so many um to choose from and so many different networks but uh so Mr. Rogers was a was a really a really important part of my childhood and the you know those preschool kindergarten years and uh you know as I grew up um you know my interests changed uh, of course as I got became an older child and a teenager and in college and you know I did think about Mr. Rogers from time to time when whenever uh he may come up in conversation or in you know uh in the, the public eye uh, but I didn't really think about him a whole lot, um, and again, until I became a dad myself. Hmm. Um, and my daughter was born in 2008, and what had happened was we, she, you know, in those early years, we weren't watching any television. You know, there's just not really any any need or want to to have your child, your your really your infant, you know, in front of a in front sure. of a television set. But uh as she got got to about two years old we were letting her watch a little more T V and and I would have PBS on in the mornings and and in the afternoons whenever there was, you know, children's programming on and uh and so th- there was one afternoon when the the T V was on but we weren't really watching it. We were kind of playing in the next room. And uh I heard that the opening music come on from the television, the opening music of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and I hadn't heard that song in in years, you know, yeah. many years, and uh, it just really, it it just it just really struck me to the core, you know, just very nostalgic feelings, and um, and there's a lot of memories. So I ended up going into the next room with Romy, and we watched it together. And I was seeing it through a whole different perspective. You know, I had mm. memories of what it was like growing up, but as I was watching it as an adult and as a dad, um, I was just astounded by how 
sincere and real and uh and kind and curious and uh and you know accepting and open and uh warm i mean it was just so many you know in a world that that can be really dark and sarcastic and cynical yes here was this man in this program about the complete opposite of that you know loving of children and nurturing and and it was just so it was just refreshing in in every way and um and it really moved me you know i think i i may have even cried a little bit you know yeah, it was just yeah. i was just so surprised um at what i didn't remember or didn't know um about the television program hmm. uh, that i grew up with so i started to watch it every day you know um sometimes even without my daughter i would just have it on you know and and uh I, I just was so just constantly impressed by him and to the point where I I wanted to know more about you know Fred Rogers you know yeah. I, I was I was learning about Mr. Rogers but I wanted to know more about uh, Fred Rogers so certainly I started to look him up and to see you know was he really like Mr. Rogers you know was this was this just a character he was playing how how, how similar to, to Mr. Rogers uh, was Fred Rogers mm -hmm. and of course I found out pretty quickly that they're basically one and the same, which again was another surprise. You know, it was just constant surprises. And at that point, you know, being a, a children's uh, author and illustrator, I knew that I really wanted to bring his story into the picture book world because this was a, like I said, this was about 2010. And Mr. Rogers has always been very iconic. But I would say in those years, there was a period of years where he wasn't as in the public eye as as he is today. I think, you know, there's been a resurgence of of love and and, and, and interest again in, in Mr. Rogers and Mr. Rogers neighborhood. But in those years, I think it was it was a little dormant at that time. So I thought, you know, I was really excited about the, the prospect of. Of sort of reintroducing, as I was reintroduced, mm -hmm. uh, reintroducing to families, Mr. Rogers, this this incredible person, this incredible spirit, um, unlike anyone else I'd, I've ever learned about or encountered, that could bring that could shine a light of kindness into our world, you know, as as parents, as children, as families, yeah. um, in a way that no one else can. I feel, you know, no one no one has since and yeah. uh, and it was just really inspiring to me to try to make that happen from that point on so it was uh yeah. it was really powerful to, to for me to rediscover him and, and for him to be back in my life again truly well i think hearing your story i can i can hear some definite similarities with mine too because i think i i too grew up watching him uh, I'm, I'm just a couple years younger than you and and i grew up watching him mm -hmm. didn't think a lot about him over the years but then when i became a father um boy it was it was something to to kind of dive in again and mm -hmm. not only with the show like you said but then to learn more about him and then to find that he was really even more mr rogers off the set than he, than he right, was yeah. on it's kind of amazing mm -hmm. um and and i think you're right in that he is unique in the sense that there hasn't been maybe quite the voice of moral authority in our world like mm -hmm. his uh since then and i've i've often thought 
especially over the last few years that have just seemed especially turbulent in the world, um, it would be really nice if there was a person um, who Mm -hmm. was universally a voice of moral authority that could just Mm -hmm. speak into a moment because I feel like in many ways, even though he's passed on, his words and who he was and and who he intentionally um, cultivated a life to become – I think he was that voice of moral authority that was almost this bulwark against the darkness, you know, mm-hmm. that just in yeah. his loving and very kind um, and very true, um, being true to who he was, uh, did some amazing things. So so thank you for, for sharing your story and the way that he affected you. It's it's something that I, that I hear um, so many times, and yet everybody mm-hmm. has a, a, their own unique way of right. the way they've been affected, for sure. Yeah. Well, your your new book, and uh, and again, it's wonderful, and I want to let all of our listeners know that I'm going to have uh, links to your book and to your website and everything that we have if, if they go to fredrogerspodcast.com. Um, they'll mm-hmm. be able to find, just with a couple of clicks, all of your information. But I want to get into the book a little bit as far as uh, this is unique in that it, it is the authorized uh, picture book biography of Fred Rogers. Um, what, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean that um, that Fred Rogers Productions uh, put their official stamp on this? Or tell us a little bit about kind of what that means, that it's it's the has the official mm-hmm. authorization. Yeah, definitely. So um, when I first thought about making this book, um, it was important to me to to do it in such a way where it was only um, done with sort of the blessing of, and at this time I, I wasn't aware of uh, of Fred Rogers Productions. I wasn't aware of you know Fred Rogers Company. It was called at the time um, that it was. You know, I, I assume there must have been some sort of company or um, not for profit still in existence, or even mm-hmm. if just the you know the family uh, held some sort of uh, you know proprietary rights over everything and um it was important to me to contact whoever that was and and try to get and try to make this happen in a in a very um official way you know Mm -hmm. i only wanted to do it if it was giving back to uh you know the entity that was fred rogers you know because he was such a giving person it just felt like i needed to do it in conjunction with whatever was out there that was still working under his name. Um, And, you know, I found out about the Fred Rogers Company, um, and I got in touch with them. And it was a a long process, I would say, because, you know, of course, Fred Rogers Productions, they they are still in operation. They make a lot of successful television, you know, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Mm -hmm. uh, Peg Plus Cat, Odd Squad, a lot of popular television programs. and so they're very busy, and they're they're in the world of television, and I'm in the world of books. So it was a, it was sort of a I had to really explain to them who I was, and you know uh, how serious I was about doing this. And and again, this was at a time when Mr. Rogers was not particularly in the conversation. So there was no real I think sense of urgency to make mm-hmm. this happen. And so it became a little 
it was a little discouraging, I would say, at times because I, I was I was so excited about this, and I, I I wanted them to know how excited I was and how perfect I would be for this. Um, but it wasn't as big of it wasn't as as urgent to them as it was to me. I would think, um, I would say, and so it took a it took a it it was a little slow going at first, but uh, but once once I was finally able to cut through and and uh, and and um, speak with them on the phone and tell them you know who I was and all my intentions and uh it, it's, things started to move pretty quickly and uh and I you know what I, I ended up flying out to Pittsburgh with my family it was uh it was over the holidays one year uh, a couple years ago at this point and um and met with a, a, a lot of the people that that used to work with uh with Fred um you know a lot of the producers and people that worked on Mr. Rogers neighborhood that still work for the company. And, you know, and at that point, um, Fred Rogers productions, they only wanted to make one, uh, you know, one picture book, one official mm-hmm. picture book about Mr. Rogers, um, a picture book biography. And, uh, I, you know, they, they, uh, I was told, you know, at that time that I was going to be the, the one yeah. <laughs> that that would get to do that, and I was just just so thrilled, you know, it was just yeah. so, so exciting. Um, I mean, just a huge a huge moment in my life to be able to do this, and it, it's been such an exciting um, exciting part of my my career, certainly, and uh, an accomplishment. So. Um, you know, ended up doing more research in Pittsburgh uh, with with uh, a lot of the friends of Fred Rogers. You know, traveling to Latrobe, Pennsylvania, where he grew up, and visiting the Fred Rogers Center, where there's a you know very vast archive of of materials and and things from the the program, as well as his personal life. Photographs were especially important for me to have. And uh, and that's where a lot of the the book began. Uh, that over the period of few days, where just a lot of intense research and and connecting with the uh, the people that work for Fred Rogers and and I would go on over the next you know year or so to to stay very close uh, contact with uh, several of the people that that I met that that weekend. Um, had a share. Hedda Sherpan is um, worked with Fred Rogers from the very first episode of Mr. Rogers' wow. Neighborhood, and uh, she was my main contact. I would share with her, you know, ver- uh, versions of the manuscript as we were working on it and sketches, and she would pass them on to uh, Margie Whitmer and Kathy uh, uh, Cohen, um, and uh, those three women were just essential hmm. to to uh to the uh, the making of the book so it was it was quite a journey and it was quite an experience to make this book um man oh so yeah it was fantastic well and 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 you should be proud of that moment because that's amazing to to kind of have their blessing as, as you go forward so i know that uh, I, know, I know that those of us that have read it, we're awfully proud of you and, and the work that you did, just in the way that you so um, so concisely captured so much of of who Fred Rogers was, and not only about his life, but about his show. And I love the way that in the book you include so many of the people that he worked with and the people that we saw on the show. And there's just yeah. so much in there that really uh, I would think would be very hard um 
to again put so so concisely and and really in just a matter right. of I, I didn't count the pages exactly, but I imagine it's probably around maybe thirty pages or so, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which really uh, there there are entire you know <laughs> huge volumes of books written about the man. So it's <laughs> right. amazing how exactly. much you were able to get in um, with your your writing and your illustrations. I, I'd love for you to maybe take us a little bit behind the scenes in the process into the the making of one of your books and Mm -hmm. and i I wonder if when you're writing a book not only um scripting it yourself but you're you're also doing these these powerful illustrations that go with it do you start first with a script uh generally or or do you find like um you start maybe drawing and the story starts revealing itself i'd love to kind of just hear some of your process on that yeah, it, it's been in my experience. I've I've come at different books from different angles. Um, typically, when it's a book, so I also illustrate other people's books, which is a very um, very different experience. But in ter- in in, uh, in terms of my own books that I write and, and illustrate myself, uh, sometimes I've started with like a picture, you know, that I've drawn maybe in my sketchbook and. It, it's it's there's no story behind it but i you know i've i've haven't i've i have sort of a strong attachment to whatever that picture is that i drew that i want to try to come up with a story about whatever those characters are whatever is happening in that in that drawing but most of my books start with um start with the story start with the words um Mm -hmm. i just find it easier for me to have that sort of lay the foundation with the text um, and the idea of the book, the general beginning to end story, um, I just find it so much easier to start that way and construct sort of the bones of the book and then build the pictures around that. And uh, so I've had some success in both ways. Um, I, I do find it a bit more frustrating to, to have a picture first and mm-hmm. try to create a story about that because the story for me has always been in a lot of ways, the the more difficult part of the process, you know, because as I, say, I, I grew up as a visual artist, so writing has been kind of an uphill climb for me over the years. I feel much more comfortable with it than I did in the beginning, but uh, it, it's a it's it's sort of the the part that I, I want to finish to an extent um, first, so I have that kind of laid in. And then I can just start wrapping pictures around that framework. Sure. Well, that and and I was thinking as you were talking about you know kind of starting with the script and going from there rather than um, just kind of starting with the art and seeing where it goes. It's interesting that I've had a few conversations on uh, on some of my other podcasts that I host with with fellow songwriters, and mm-hmm. we've actually talked about uh, in a similar way. Um, it's always much easier to kind of uh, block yourself in a little bit with what you're doing, like say for you with a script and then starting from there and going rather than just being free form. And whereas uh, with a, with a song, oftentimes um, writers will, will start with the idea in mind first and then make some parameters for themselves that Mm -hmm. they will challenge themselves not to go outside of that because it, it make, it forces them to tell it. Um, in a better way mm-hmm. and, uh, and so it's just interesting I'm thinking of, about what you've just described too that, that it also must really apply to that world of, of making art in the way you do and mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's wonderful um, 
And so thank you for sharing some of that process. And while we're while we're dis- discussing that, I've heard that when you speak to groups of children at schools and festivals and, and different places, that you have some special pins that you carry with you that you like <laughs> yeah, to show right. them. And yeah. uh, I, I'm fascinated by that because I don't particularly know a lot about pins. To me, uh, as someone who doesn't do uh, really much art other than trying to help my second grader in his school uh, when he has art, um, for me, I don't know the difference, but I'd love to know more. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, sort of some of those pins that you carry around and, and why you choose specifically them for the work that you do. Yeah, so I um if you if you were to look at the art in Hello Neighbor um in all my books actually uh the drawings are done with the sort of old-fashioned type of pen that, that you have to dip into a bottle of ink. So oh, you don't wow. it's, it's not a pen that um like most pens that we use today were that are just sort of filled with with ink and then they eventually run out and you throw them away this is a like a pen that uh it has like a metal tip called a nib um that you can change out of the actual pen different types of nibs that have different flexibilities and sharpnesses and um and the reason I use that type of pen is because it it you can draw or write with it and it and it you can get a lot of different um line widths um if you put different pressure on the, on the paper um it can be really thick line or very thin line um or it can be a very uh smooth line or a very you know rough textured line and in the in the sense of drawing you know when you're writing um for instance, if you were writing a letter, I suppose, you would want that line to be pretty clean and uniform. Um, but when I'm drawing, I want to have all these different, uh, these variations. Um, to me, that just makes it so much more interesting than, than to have one consistency of line thickness. Um, and uh, and also uh, the purpose of that is I the type of ink that I use is waterproof, um, which is important mm-hmm. because after I'm finished drawing it, the drawing is done in black ink so it's just black and white drawing when it's when the drawing is finished when i want to add color i paint those drawings with watercolor paint so um the uh it's a kind of a combination of processes uh pen and ink drawing with watercolor on paper and but yes i i do love different types of pens and um i've experimented and and you know, played around with all different types of nibs. That's usually what what is the 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 changing, uh, uh, you know, frequency of of the different pins is the is the end of the pin or the nib, and different nibs have uh, can draw in different ways. And and I also use uh, lately in the last several years I've been using some fountain pens that uh, that have waterproof that you can fill with waterproof ink. And it's a it's a similar type of line um, where you can draw with it and it can uh, you can depending on how you hold it or how much pressure you put on the pen, it will change. And um, so, yeah, I I like to if I have extra time at school visits or book festivals and if I get to do an art workshop, I love to share with with, you know, children children. the different types of ways you can draw and the different ways you can make lines and because you know it does seem like a pretty simple thing um 
because when you're just drawing, you're just sort of drawing, I think, especially to kids. Um, but if you start to show them some of these, like if you, you really zoom in and say, mm-hmm. you know, well, these lines, uh, you know, I was like really, I was really pressing hard and I wanted those lines to be thick. And on these other ones, it was, I wanted the line to be thin. And, uh, you know, it just kind of opens up their eyes to a, a different way to draw. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to, 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 to go around and, and I bring some of my pens with me and some ink sure. and uh, there are times you know I, with when I bring the ink if I'm flying somewhere that it uh, it kind of explodes <laughs> on the airplane yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have to I've, I've learned over the years I have to kind of wrap it two or three times with uh, with bags and, and, and jars and stuff to if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be traveling with it to uh, make sure that doesn't happen, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So in many ways, it's it's almost more akin in some ways to to being a painter. Um, you know, using different sorts of almost brushes that you're mm-hmm. you're dipping in and using than it is just simply if if say I was to grab a pen and just start scribbling uh, on on a yeah, piece of paper true. and 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 you can tell when when you're looking. One thing I love about the way that you draw. Um, I think it must be very intricate and must must take a lot of time. But for us to look at it, uh, it doesn't look like – I don't know how to say it exactly in the right way. It, it looks like it just flows so easily uh, in right. the way that it looks to our eyes. And so yeah, I think yeah. it can be deceiving as you were just saying that you know yeah. when children might look at it and think, well, it's just a doodle or whatever. But yeah. there really is a lot of uh, very intricate, very detailed work that goes into this. And I, I love the way that you explain that. I. I kind of regret that uh, Fred Rogers is not still with us and not still making episodes um, because I feel like what you just described would be a wonderful episode of Picture Picture where, (laughs) you know, he could go in and and kind of narrate for us the whole process that that you've just described today, which is fascinating to me. And and I I didn't know that. I had no idea that was a a way that art was done with those pens. I'm going to have to look into that. I think that would be very neat to find out more. One of my um, one of the things I loved learning that I didn't know before, um, you know, I love picture picture, and I love when um, when Mr. Rogers would welcome uh, adults and to share about their professions, and and uh, I, I saw that there were several times when he would have different types of artists on, and and uh, a couple of my picture book heroes were actually on the, the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, which I hadn't realized until I was an adult. Eric Carl, Eric Carl, oh, yeah. who made The Very Hungry Caterpillar and many other um, wonderful books for children, uh, was, a, was a, he visited Eric Carl's studio, which was just so cool to me um, to, to discover that. And Ezra Jack Keats, who did The Snowy Day and many other wonderful picture books, was, uh, was also on the program, I think, more than once. So, yeah, I loved when he would talk to artists of all different, you know, all different walks of life, um, you know, dancers, musicians, yeah. visual artists. This is so, so inspiring. <laughs> well, I was going to say that in, in some ways your your book is almost like a love letter to the Fred Rogers and the cast of the show. But but in some ways, it's almost like a like a very elaborate thank you note. <laughs> it yeah, feels yeah, like, so. and and what I'm what I'm looking at is I, I just have the book in front of me again. I love the way that you 
put so many characters. There's one particular page that stood out to me uh, where on, on the one side there's a page where Mr. Rogers is blowing into a trumpet and Mr. McFeely is there in the room. Mm-hmm. And then on the opposite page there's what looks to be almost like a, a picture gallery uh, mm-hmm. on a wall maybe of the house. And you've included uh, people like Mr. McFeely and, and Betty Aberlin and Francois Clemens and um, just goes on and on. Elsie uh, Neal, Bob Tro, um, uh, Joe Negri and neighbor Aber, Maggie Stewart, and and I just love uh, the way that you're uh, able to include so much in, in such a small amount of space uh, that helps us remember. Mm-hmm. And for those of us that that grew up watching the show and then are now watching it with our children, it really is sort of a callback. Like, wow, I, I remember that episode, and you you do things like picture picture in the story and. Um, and I personally love the page with the, the Johnny Costa trio. I think that's yeah. just wonderful because I'm a big fan of, of the music that Johnny Costa made over the years. And you not only include Johnny, but you've got um, the other players there, and, and you include them by name, Bobby and Carl. And I just think that's wonderful right. because we're getting to see um, some of the people that really I think even the biographies don't get into that much You know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you're reading about Fred Rogers. So there, yeah. there really is an impressive amount. Of, of information that you've kind of supplied of, of what it takes to make an episode of uh, of the show. And, yeah, uh, thank you. One yeah. of my favorite things about the book, you know, when I first wrote it, um, I have such such love and passion for for the work that he did and and the things that he did and said in his in his personal life as well. That I just made. When I first wrote it, it was like really, really long. You know, it was like yeah. just sort of very exorbitant um, in terms of a, a picture book for young readers. Um, but I really just wanted to say as much as I could. I wanted to say everything that I that I wanted to say. And then what I ended up doing was figuring out ways to move that text, um, whether it be part of the illustrations, like uh, you know, in terms of. Um, the jazz trio, the Johnny Costa trio, um, instead of, you know, naming them within the actual body of the, the text, I would sort of draw it into the picture yeah. itself. And, um, and there were, so, there were so many, there's so many wonderful things about little stories, you know, little anecdotes that all of us, uh, you know, adults especially, I think we learn over, we've learned over the course of years of, of, of you know, um, whether it be from memes, you know, there's so many internet memes with like yeah. quotes or th- you know little anecdotes, and and I, I wanted to sort of include a lot of these things, um, but it, it was, the text was so long. But uh, my art director for the book suggested what we could do is is do a, what, what we ended up calling a visual glossary. So in the back of the book, um, instead of calling out all of these different little things that are in the pictures. We have this little section where there's a, a tiny picture and it's referencing something from the main part of the book, and that there will be some text that goes on to describe what the significance of that picture is. For instance, I drew this little car. Um, I drew a little car in one of the pictures um, where there's like a lot of sort of a, a collage of a lot of different iconography and things from the program. Sure. And you might wonder, what does this car have to do with anything? And you go to the back of the book, and there's the car. And <laughs> the story is that, and this is a true story, and it's one of the things that I think it really speaks so much. I mean, there wasn't a place to put this in the book. 
Sure, it just didn't have that sort of importance, but the story itself is so significant, and it really summarizes um, the the life that he lived and the way that people felt about him, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. And the story is, is Mr. Rogers, or Fred Rogers' car was stolen from the street one day, and um, he... You know, it was it was you know just like a typical you know uh, crime, except because it was Mr. Rogers, it was on the Pittsburgh News. You know, this made the the news, and uh, so it was it was really sp- well. Uh, it was it was you know very publicized, and within a within a day or two, the car was returned to the exact spot where it was stolen from, and there was a note in the car from the thieves that had taken it and they said um we're sorry we stole your car if we'd known it was yours we wouldn't have taken it and um, right (laughs) that is one of i mean that 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 story moves me every time i tell it and it just i knew it had to get into the book but it was just the book was getting so long yeah that i had to uh i had to make some concessions and i was i'm glad we were able to fit that in there somewhere but uh yeah yeah, i mean i think there's there's so much to celebrate about 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 Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. That uh, I probably could have done this in three, four, five volumes, <laughs> you know. But uh, it was it was wow. a fun challenge to to whittle it down into a, a picture book length. Yeah, well, I mean, you did a great job. Again, it's amazing you were able to get so much into the the, the space that you had to work in, for sure. And uh, I almost feel like there could could be a follow up of of the visual glossary just as a book, you know, <laughs> just right. different little facts like that, because that is really a cool part yeah. in the back. And I was just looking at the green car um, that was stolen, that was Fred's in the back, and uh, that that too is one of my favorite uh, stories, and just shows to what kind of impact he had on people right and uh that's that's terrific yeah well we're we're getting a little bit low on time on my end but i just have a couple more questions uh to ask you uh we had talked about your your pens a few moments ago mm-hmm. and uh, i i always wonder i as a songwriter i always try to have a pen or a, some kind of recording device in my pocket at all times for when mm-hmm. inspiration strikes are, are you one that also keeps like a pen in your pocket at all times oh absolutely yes i um i you know i always need to have something to write with you know i, I usually have a, a, a pen you know it can't be one of my drawing pens of course because that would be <laughs> Right, <laughs> a lot to carry around, a big mess. Um, but I do keep um, just a, a favorite sort of a more you know commercial type pen in my pocket. And I always that's one of the things I always tell kids to is uh, I often tell tell kids is that uh, you never know when inspiration is going to strike. And if you're walking around and you don't have anything to to jot some jot some sort of idea that pops into your head it might just sort of vanish by the time yeah. you get back to your car or back to your your bedroom and you have a pen all and then you can't remember exactly what that wonderful thing was that you were thinking about so um never be without a pen you know it's kind of one of my mantras uh, keep a pen in your pocket at all times yeah, very good, and that's excellent advice to anyone who is who's a creator, and, I, and everybody's creative in some ways, no matter yes. what they do. I think Agreed. it's always a good idea to to write down and journal and and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, well, this was a wonderful insight this week, Matthew, and I really appreciate you taking some time to do a visit with us. Uh, I really just have one more 
question. That mm-hmm. this is not so much a Mister Rogers question, but it's just because I'm a comic book fan, mm-hmm. and uh, I've I've read about you that you uh, have always been a comic book fan as well. And so I'm just wondering who are some of your favorites, and it doesn't necessarily have to be favorites to read. It might be some of your favorites to draw. I'd, I'd love right. to just hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I grew up. Um, loving superhero comics, you know, I I loved <clears throat> when I was young. I loved X Men. That was probably my favorite. Um, yeah. But also Spider Man, I think, was my absolute favorite. I just loved Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, as I got older, you know, I've I've, I've I still have a, a kind of a soft spot in my heart for the superhero comics, but I've 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 grown to love sort of more graphic novels and. Uh, sure. You know, there's so many different ways and different, you know, back then, I think the majority of comics or at least what I what I was exposed to was uh, was the, the world of superheroes. But uh, mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, I've, I've just and, and I think more and more creators have 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 experimented with the form of mm-hmm. comic books as storytelling that it's just a, a massive uh it's just there's so much to discover in comics now, so uh, I, I love to read all different types of comics now. And and you can if you look at my work, it's really rooted in comics. You know, it's a it's sort of a different style of cartooning, almost like the style of like uh, the type of cartoons you might find in like the New Yorker. Sure. You know that sort of cartooning, but it, it it's all rooted in that sort of simplifying of uh, facial features, simplifying of uh, the form of uh, or backgrounds and and uh, <clears throat> I just love that way of telling stories. Um, uh, it's I just find it very approachable and very mm-hmm. um, just a, a a warm place to 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 discover a new story. So it's something I've loved my whole life, comics and uh, in different ways. So yeah, definitely. I still love Spider-Man though. And yeah. I, I just love that. That's such a <laughs> such a great story. I think um, yeah. of Peter Parker. Yeah, he's he's definitely my favorite Marvel character for mm-hmm. sure. I've, I've read him for a very long time. I've got uh, more more Spider-Man comics in my basement than I should probably admit to having, but uh, <laughs> right. they're 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 very awesome. good. So, yeah. well, uh, as as we close out the show today, I, I just want to remind all of our listeners um, that you can find all of of Matthew's links, and uh, I'm also going to be putting links to Holiday House Books um, on uh, the website that we have at uh, Welcome neighbor.podbean.com or you can just put in fredrogerspodcast.com don't do the www dot because that won't won't take you there but if you just simply type in fredrogerspodcast.com it'll take you to the page and we're going to have all of these links there and also this podcast is corresponding the week of World Kindness Day which is on November 13th of this year and uh, World Kindness Day is a, a day that is really it's a global day that promotes the importance of being kind to each other to yourself and to the world and so we're happy to be able to provide this podcast with Matthew and uh, be able to feature his book as a part of World Kindness Day this year so mark your calendars for November 13th because it's going to be a wonderful day and we're going to be taking some extra time on the at Mr. Rogers Say uh, Twitter feed this week to kind of highlight World Kindness Day and and highlight a bit uh, what Matthew is doing through through his great work Uh, so again we thank you for for stopping by today for a visit here in our podcast neighborhood matthew you're welcome thanks so much for having me rick
Well, to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us here this week in the neighborhood. Music featured on today's podcast was Nouvelle Noel by Kevin McLeod. I do want to say a special thanks to my guest Matthew Cordell and Holiday House Books for making this possible today. And I want to thank the at Mr. Rogers Say community on Twitter and Instagram. It's always wonderful to journey with all of you that follow there. I'm your host, Rick Lee James. My personal Twitter account is at Rick Lee James, and my website is Rick Lee James. Dot com. Uh, another podcast that I host, in case you're interested, is Voices in My Head, the Rickley James podcast, and I look forward to being with you again next time. But until we meet again, remember, you make each day a special day. You know how? By just your being you. There's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you, exactly as you are.